Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. In this episode, a special guest is joining me. We're going to be talking about all different kinds of wildlife today because I got to interview Julie Henry, the author of the book Wisdom from the Wild, The Nine Unbreakable Laws of the Animal Kingdom. She helps people be effective leaders by teaching them about wildlife and showing them how we can learn from nature. So get ready to think about how you can learn from wildlife. zoo and aquarium senior leader, and she also has degrees in zoology, education, and communications. So I grew up in Chicago, and I, you know, was the little girl that lived along the Great Lakes and always dreamed of the sea, and the funny thing about that is I don't remember all of that, but my friends from them that time tell me, yeah, in fourth grade, you did every project on the ocean, and so I was always destined to do something with the sea, something with wildlife. And then I was the child of an entrepreneur who was in leadership development, and my mom was a teacher. So I stitched all those uh, three together throughout my career and started in zoos and aquariums for 10 years. And then after that, my entrepreneurial bone um, started rearing its face, and it was time for me to go out on my own. So she's obviously spent a lot of time working with animals in zoos and aquariums. Let's hear about her favorite experiences there. You know, what comes to mind first is working in the Shed Aquarium in Chicago. Since I was a Chicago girl, I always wanted to work there. And I had the opportunity to work on the big coral reef habitat, which is a 90,000 gallon tank in the middle of the aquarium. And I had a chance to work on that as we renovated that exhibit, everything from the inside to the outside, the graphics graphics, et cetera. And so as part of that, I led the team that redid the narration, the dive narration for inside the the habitat. And so they let me get in the tank and get on scuba basically and snorkel, excuse me, scuba dive underwater, feeding all the animals, delivering the narration. And all of these faces are pressed up against the glass watching me. And it was the most surreal experience to be having a sea turtle bump into you and there's nurse sharks below and hungry animals and talking about conservation and it it was probably uh, 23 years ago and I remember it like it was yesterday getting in that in that habitat next to the fish and and it was an amazing experience (laughs) and she went from working in these places to consulting people on leadership why did she make that transition As a high school student, I was able to travel with my dad on a business trip. And since he was a leadership trainer, I sat in a class in an airplane manufacturing parts 
uh, company in Mobile, Alabama and listened to what he was talking about. And I always wanted to stitch together those ideas with my love for animals. So when I started working at Shed Aquarium, I was putting up my hand saying, hey, if we get some companies that want to do a, you know, a different kind of retreat and come here, I want to help. I want to train them. And everywhere I went, I kept saying there's a new audience we can reach out to who may not come for um, education necessarily, but they can come for a new way to think about how they work together as a team, how they communicate, how they can continue developing as leaders. And so it was a natural transition while I was working at zoos and aquariums. And then once I went on my own, everything switched. So now I'm in the company's training rooms, right? And I'm pulling in all my stories from my zoo and aquarium and just wildlife experience uh, throughout the world and giving them a new way to think about old problems. And it always caught their attention uh, because, you know, after a while in a training program, you've, you've heard the three steps on how to deal with change and how to lead teams. But if suddenly I throw in, well, let's think about it from a pelican's point of view, <laughs> or how do you think a termite would deal with this? Then I've got their attention back. I love how Julie is able to mix animal behavior into the corporate world. They don't seem to be related in any way, but there are a lot of benefits to drawing connections between people and animals. For me, animals are an amazing way to level the playing field because it doesn't matter if you're a Harvard MBA or a high school dropout, or if you're from Oklahoma or Japan, or how many years you've been at the company, you have an experience with an animal and you, you like some sort of animal. You don't know how many people run up to me like, let me tell you the story about my dog or the snake that I have or the bird that I saw or the scorpion when I walked in. And so right there, it lets people just relax and not be distracted by the fact that, well, I'm not the CEO or I am the CEO. Well, you know what? We can all learn about leadership continually. As I mentioned before, she also wrote a book called Wisdom from the Wild. So the book has been 25 years in the making, and it was all of these case studies and stories and just finally having, quite honestly, enough experience and enough case studies to share with people how they can look at change. At the heart of my work, it's helping leaders lead change. And to me, that's the very definition of what we learn from nature because wildlife and wild places are always dealing with change. It doesn't matter if it's new construction or a hurricane that blows through, there's change coming. And so I wanted to put down on paper steps to help people lead change along with that, how to lead their teams and be resilient. Those are the three wildlife wisdom from the wild circles, I call them. Um, but give them little brain breaks along the way, just as if I was training them and telling them stories so they can apply it. You know, that's how I work. As I don't, it's not prescriptive. It's let me just pose a bunch of questions and have you create your own understanding of what wildlife and wild places can teach you as leaders. And change is one of the most difficult things for people to deal with. Wildlife can teach us a lot about adaptability. When I think of nature, I think about the fact that, you know, a mangrove, as an example, um, the red mangrove tree, which is the species that is the closest to the ocean, you know, and they have these giant roots that are literally reaching out into the sea. They call them the walking roots. Well, the mangrove, I mean, who knows what the weather is going to be like the next day. It's completely unexpected. But the way they've structured their root system, the way they've reached out is they've given themselves maximum opportunity to withstand 
whatever comes their way. That's why they attract so many animals to their habitat because they're an inherent nursery. And it's really hard for a tree to live in salt water. It's really hard. So I got a lot of respect for a mangrove tree <laughs> to figure out this niche. And to me, that's a really great concrete example of how wildlife has adapted for unexpected circumstances. And when we go out into nature, we need to be prepared, but nature doesn't ask us to be anything other than who we are. And that's freeing as a person, just like a mangrove is just the best mangrove it could be. Mangroves are really cool. And there are also some animals that you'd never think we could learn from, like the sea cucumber, which you'll hear about right after the break. that I'm going to tell you about today is natural selection. You may have heard the saying survival of the fittest, but that can be a little misleading. Natural selection means that the individuals that are best suited for their environment are the ones who survive, reproduce, and pass on their genes to the next generation. So it's not always the strongest that survive, like you might think from reading that saying. It's the ones that are most well adapted to their environment. Natural selection is one of the main driving forces of evolution. So what can we learn from a sea cucumber? Let's hear what Julie has to say. You know, when I sat down to write this book, I was looking at other books that people have written on leadership. And a lot of times people pull um, what I would say are relatively obvious examples from nature, right? Eagles and elephants and lions and all of these majestic creatures. And I love eagles and elephants and lions, but I prefer animals and plants that may be more unassuming, like a sea cucumber. And so what are the times as leaders that either people don't think you can do the job or they told you no, or you're just kind of gonna slide in and try it your way because somebody needs you to do it differently. And sea cucumbers do just that. They don't really look like much, if you will. They're just kind of sausage looking creatures that are lying along the ocean floor. But if they are under stress, literally a predator is about to eat them. They will regurgitate, throw up their guts. And either that alone will scare off the predator, or if the predator still decides to eat some of these lovely guts in front of them, the sea cucumber, since it's related to a sea star, can literally regrow its own guts, literally. So as leaders in those times in which people didn't assume much of you, or maybe they did, and there's tons of pressure when you literally feel like you're about to throw up, or you might not sure, you're not sure if you can make it, not only are you built to thrive, you are built to survive as sea cucumbers do. So that just goes to show you that even in the worst circumstances, we can recover. There's another sea creature that we can learn a little bit about adaptability from as well. Well, I already talked about mangroves, and so I won't talk about mangroves again, but <laughs> I will then say coral, because I think any animal that is also creating habitat at the same time is an animal that by definition has to be adaptable because corals, of course, are building this amazing structure out of nothing, right? Out of themselves. And then 
animals and algae and all kinds of critters are coming to live there. And then they're dealing with most likely humans interested in visiting the coral reef habitats, um, boat traffic, weather, depending on where they are. And so the adaptability of coral, again, because people, when you look at coral, don't even know it's actually an animal. So you are thinking about this structure, not even understanding that it's living. So to me, that goes back to the idea of um, leaders and dealing with that unassume or unassumptions, maybe that you're, you're built for much or can do much. But coral is a, an amazing adaptable creature that even just the way they, they spawn, right? They can reproduce in different ways. So they're maximizing everything, every aspect of their own life in order to think about not only their future, but the future of other species that depend on them. Corals are amazing animals, and I have a whole episode dedicated to them if you want to learn more. Now, what's the relationship between our everyday lives and ecosystems? I think ecosystems show us how not only each of us is uniquely designed to occupy our own niche and be successful in that, but also that we need so many different people around us to be successful as a team, as a community, as a society. You know, ecosystems are healthy and they can withstand change and pressures when they're diversified and when they have people and animals in their unique, unique niches being the best that they can be. And so that's what I think we can look and say, yeah, you know, I'm uniquely designed for this, but this person's uniquely designed for that. And that's what we need in order to innovate in order to successfully impact the world in which the way we're supposed to impact the world. I completely agree. One population of organisms cannot survive alone in an ecosystem. It's about the connections throughout the ecosystem that help to keep it going strong. So let's hear what Julie thinks about how learning from animals can help with animal conservation. So I'm going to give you a little secret about my book now, because to me, it's my conservation Trojan horse, um, <laughs> because there are some organizations and companies and, and people that may not want to learn about animals or, or think they have much to learn from animals or maybe just busy and, and want to think about, you know, like I said, the 10 steps to leadership from, you know, a different perspective. But learning from animals, I think, is only going to enhance their, not only their knowledge, but also their respect for and appreciation for. And every now and then I love that aha, that light bulb moment. They're like, oh, really? So I'm confident that at some point in their life, they'll be around somebody in their lives, maybe a kid, maybe a neighbor, maybe a grandparent. And they'll say, hey, you know what? I went to this training or I read this book this one time. And now that we're outside, I'm wondering more about this bird that's flying by because I wonder if it's, you know, going to a different habitat, et cetera. And so, yeah, it's, it's absolutely going to positively in, uh, impact the conservation and the conservation behavior that um, it's our responsibility as a human species. So people just learning about animals can really make a difference and change the public perception about them. I'm interested to know what Julie thinks is the most important lesson that we can learn from wildlife. I think the most important lesson that we as leaders can take away from nature is to just be. Be prepared, but be present. And then 
make a decision because nature abhors a vacuum, just like leadership abhors the absence of a decision. And once you make a decision, go forward. There's a reason why the last chapter in my book, which is actually the first idea that I had when writing the book is called Even Cheetahs Slow Down. Because when you think about cheetahs, more than likely your listeners are thinking about how fast they are. But cheetahs don't run for very long and they certainly spend the majority of their time resting before they're running again. And when they're resting, my um, assumption is that they are not thinking about, gosh, I really wish I would have taken that left instead of the right and, and gotten the prey. And, and well, you know, next time if I approach it differently, I, you know, chances are they're resting, they're being, they're preparing, and then they're acting. And to me, as leaders, as people, that's what we need to think about that nature can teach us is just to show up, be who we are, and that is the best we can be. I love that message of just being who you are. Who knew we could learn from all these different organisms that you'd think we'd have nothing in common with, like the sea cucumbers, mangroves, and corals? I'm so glad I was able to talk to Julie, and I hope that you learned as much as I did. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored how we can learn from wildlife. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we referenced at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife and on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. You've been listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. 